eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Good Sunday evening, everybody, or Monday morning, or Thursday afternoon, or Rosh Hashanah, or whenever it is that you're listening to this podcast, we're glad you're here. I'm your host, Joey Powell. You're listening to one of InsideCarolina.com's many glorious podcasts and all of the fantastic content that we put out. This is a special edition of the Coast to Coast. And why is it special? Well, Selection Sunday for 2021. They just finished putting the brackets out. Everybody's had a chance to dig into it and look at everything. Conference tournaments are over. It's also special because Greg Barnes has joined Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran and yours truly today. So we're going to have a little, little special chop-up session. I think um, Tommy actually got a little mad because we're doing a roundtable without him. But I don't know that you can do a roundtable with four guys. This is going to be a basic square card table scenario. And I'm glad that you guys are here. Sean, how you feeling? I'm doing doing pretty well. Uh, still recovering from a an LSU loss earlier, but was able to watch a lot of a lot of hoops and ready for the tournament. Bad beats around. Shrill, how you feeling? Uh, flustered. Daylight saving time and young kids, and that's why I'm flustered. That's a bad so, recipe, man. Yeah. Greg, uh, the guy that never sleeps. How you feeling, buddy? I'm doing good. This is uh, this is exciting for for all of us. This uh, it's going to be a little bit different NCAA tournament. We're still at, at the moment. We're still waiting to find out a lot more of the details about how things are going to take place. We've got the Tuesday deadline coming up to see if any teams are going to be uh, out because of COVID. Uh, Louisville is the the number one team on the replacement list, which is interesting. Uh, and then, of course, we got three weeks to basketball, and then we got the Masters. So th- this month is is something fantastic. Y'all can tell Greg is the pro because he like actually wants to talk about the real stuff. Like as soon as we get going, so. <laughs> Hat tip to the pro showing up to game day. Thank you for, for having me, guys. This, this is an honor. I'm Wearing a collared shirt, too. Man, you can yeah, tell this. this guy's – up to place. Classing it up. Yeah. So we're going to we have to change our star rating <laughs> on Yelp. All right. While you guys are listening, before we get off and running, I want to give everybody a chance, whether you're listening or viewing or however you're taking in this, this podcast, uh, rate us and review us, please. Pretty please. Um, if you don't rate and review us, Sherelle's children will cry. And unless you want to make Sherelle's children cry, then then please rate and review us. That's all I'm going to say. Ratings and reviews help this podcast. They help us appear at the top of, of searches when people go and start looking for UNC content. And we want to be at the top. If you don't like what we're doing, shoot me a message. Shoot Buck a message. Shoot Ben a message. Whoever you want to. Send Al Gore a message. He invented the internet. Let him know that you don't like our content. But whatever. Let us know if you don't like what we're doing. We'll try to do better. We don't want to be putting out subpar content for all of our subscribers, viewers, and listeners. And before we get rolling, special shout out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring this and all of the Inside Carolina podcast. Great locally owned company. If you need UNC tournament gear, hit them up. Matter of fact, if you're listening and watching this podcast, go to johnnytshirt.com. You can get the bench shirt that the Tar Heels have been wearing, uh, and you can probably have that order done, and it might be shipped to you by the time you listen to this. Boys, before we do the, the, the bracket discussion, I want to hit you with a couple of questions about this past week and the week that was and and what you guys think about the Tar Heels' performance in Greensboro. Greg, since you're the, the new guy to this show, I'll start with you. What do you feel like that we learned about this North Carolina team uh, over the last week that we did not know? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna steal from Sherelle. Uh, so, Sherelle, I apologize for this. <laughs> one thing we talked about coming into the ACC tournament was 
North Carolina had proven that they can play with anybody. And late in the year, they were able to beat some good teams. Uh, I mean, the, the comeback against Florida State and, and Chapel Hill was clearly the, the best one of the season. But we had not seen them do that over a stretch of games. And, you know, you'd have a game or two here that's pretty good, then you'd have a, a letdown. Uh, and I think what we saw in, in Greensboro is that the team came ready to play and that they played well all three nights. Um, you know, if they make a few more free throws or, or maybe get a, a call or two go their way against Florida State, then they're playing in the ACC championship game. Um, I, that was the main takeaway for me. And the other part of it, too, is you know, when Armando Bacot is engaged, I mean, the team is, is completely different. Um, he's when you have somebody in the post that you can just pound the ball into, and he has the skill set to be able to score, uh, that that's what you have to have. And he did that consistently. Daron Sharp's a kind of a beast on the boards anyway, and that's just a very tough one-two punch for for teams to have to deal with. And uh, the energy level was good. Uh, you know, it was a home partisan crowd, which helped. Uh, so all those things kind of worked together. And I, I think they have to feel pretty good coming out of out of Greensboro. Yeah. Cheryl, what about you? What do you feel like we learned about this squad that we probably didn't know a week ago? I, I wondered if they could beat competent competition with Kerwin Walton not playing well. And they beat Notre Dame by 50 without him playing well. <laughs> and then they beat Virginia Tech, um, you know, a, a decent team by, I think it was eight was the final margin uh, without him playing well. Now, when they played Florida State, which, you know, you consider is how kind of team they're going to play the rest of the NCAA tournament, um, they really needed him in the second half to hit a couple of shots. And that's kind of what spurred on the run, but it was uh, heartening, I guess to say, to see RJ Davis come through and, and have a really good game heartening to see Caleb love, you know, um, after a, a pretty rough first half against Florida state, come out and hit, just hit some big shots. Um, you can say what you want about his percentage. It's, it's not great. He struggled, but uh, when it comes time, you know, to, really make plays. I think him and RJ Davis have a, a knack for that. Uh, it, they didn't finish the job against Florida state, but to me kind of uh, additional growth in the backcourt, even though um, they struggled against Florida state, I still think they got better. And so if they get better, you're starting to see a little bit of that consistency finally come through that Greg talked about that we've been talking about all season, because even though <clears throat> they didn't play great in the first half against Florida state, they were pretty good for most of the second half. So of the, you know, six halves that they played, you would say they played fairly well in like four and a half of them. And that is something that I don't think they've put together much uh, if at all this season. Yeah. Still searching for that elusive four game win streak, but they did get three. If you back up to the Duke game and the first two they got this week, Sean, Similar question, going to put a little bit of a twist on it for you. Are we going to feel like that this season should have been, you know, like, like we had about another week or two in this season? Are, are, are fans going to really want to have seen this team uh, for maybe two more weeks the way we've said all year, especially based on what we saw this past week in Greensboro? Yeah, I think definitely. And, and that goes to what I'm sure we'll talk about soon in, in terms of seeding. You know, when you get stuck with the 8-9 the game, obviously you're playing one of the top teams in the country in that second game. Um, but I think with how UNC played in the Duke game, and then as Greg mentioned, you know, really playing three, three games in a row in the ACC tournament where they're playing well, I think it was the first time for the most part that UNC fans said, wow, this, this team is fun to watch. I'm, I'm really enjoying watching how they look out there. Um, and I think they were able to do it really three, three days in a row, sans the first half of the Florida state game, um, you know, in Georgia tech, you had a three, really a three big rotation, which is where UNC has always been, been best at. And it got everybody maybe a little more comfortable, a little quicker. Um, and then you have the freshman guards who, well, you know, they still struggled at times, but over the last five games, you have Love and Davis both shooting, you know, high 30, 38, 39% from three, uh, where they've struggled tremendously. And you do see a lot of the pieces coming together. And, and yeah, you know, they're out in the next weekend. I, I think a lot of people would, would love to have just seen a few more weeks of basketball, given how it's turned out right now. So I'm going to handicap you guys for the next question. I'm going to take the 100-point outburst, uh, 101 to be exact, against Notre Dame off the table. What was the biggest surprise this past week? Sean, I'll, I'll just, you know, snake back to you. Biggest surprise. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go the Florida. I mean, the Florida state comeback, obviously we, we saw it happen and they finished it off the first time. Uh, I think seeing the halftime score uh, was, you know, at times you're like, Oh, is this, they're right back to how they were looking, you know, a few weeks ago, but they, you know, they pushed through 
took the lead, uh, but then Florida State exerted its dominance on the defensive end. Um, so I think the surprise was them coming back and taking the lead to me. Not that it's out of the question, but um, I think that was the biggest biggest surprise. Um, other than that, I think, uh, you know, RJ, RJ playing well, really well against Virginia Tech um, was a surprise because I think, you know, in the, the preseason, myself and Sherelle, we just talked about RJ so much and we had really yet to see see that come out um, and, and he finally finally played well obviously Florida State he had the drive that you don't really know what he was doing at, at the end but once again it's confidence and you need you're going to need uh, the guards to hit their shots coming up. Greg same question surprise for you from last week. Yeah I, I like what Sean said there but I'll go I'll go a game before uh, because Virginia Tech came out and they decided that they were going to be incredibly physical with UNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've seen that work a lot in the past. You know, Roy Williams likes a finesse style, likes to get up and down the court. Um, and Virginia Tech was, was very physical and uh, really got up in North Carolina. And it didn't look as though North Carolina was going to be able to deal with it. And then halftime rolls around. Roy Williams, either he said Armando Baycott was soft or he said he was playing soft. But whichever it was, it worked. Uh, and that was something that Baycott talked about after the game. He doesn't like to be called soft. Um, and he took it personally. And they played uh, with a lot of energy. Um, you know, this team has, has shown, I mean, dating back to the first couple weeks of the season, mm-hmm. that they could come back. Yep. That They're not scared when they're down. And so we've seen that all year long. But their ability to say, you know what, this team is, is being physical with us, uh, they're kind of punching us in the face. What are we going to do? And for them to be able to come back in that game really impressed me uh, because of the way they played against Notre Dame, everything went their way. That wasn't the case against Virginia Tech. And so they, they play really well. And then as Sean said, you know, they get the Florida State game. Like, okay, well, we've been here before. We were here last night. Uh, and I think that helped them be able to come back. Shrill, last question before we head on to talking about the NCAA tournament and Looking forward, what was your biggest surprise from Greensboro? At well, least with regard them. to this team. Sorry, they, they took everything, so I don't. There's nothing left. I'll say that Carolina uh, won two games, which is one more game than Florida State won. <laughs> Florida State was in the championship game, so that's also my true. biggest surprise. They won the same uh, amount of games as Georgia Tech. Um, no, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just weird. Um, I, I would, I would probably go with the Virginia Tech thing too, um, just because. You know, uh, Virginia Tech looked so amazing in those first couple of minutes, even though UNC was only down three uh, during the first half. And uh, it seemed like just one of those nights. I don't know if y'all have the the feeling with Carolina or you kind of recognize the signs of, okay, they might not have it tonight. And this is going to end up being a game where, uh, you know, they end up losing by seven or eight. They make a spirited run. But in the end, Virginia Tech hit them in the mouth and they never quite recovered. We've seen that play out time and time again. And I think, like Greg said, the fact that it came out and then kind of punched back and, and kind of suffocated Virginia Tech the rest of the game, that was uh, pleasantly surprising. Yeah, that aggression definitely came out of the locker room the second half. It sure, surely wasn't there the first half, but I agree with all those points. All right, want to take a quick break. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt. Let the national guys play some, pay some bills. We're going to come back and talk about the NCAA tournament, the bracket reveal, all that good stuff. All of you listening and watching right now, stop Go to johnnytshirt.com. I just pulled up uh, before we started recording today, just pulled up what their new arrivals were, and there is some really, really good-looking stuff on there. Um, I mentioned earlier they do have the the bent shirts that UNC is wearing. We've got some really uh, nice-looking fast break, or they're calling them fast break shorts, uh, with the Jumpman logo on them. Good-looking stuff. Uh, some pop sockets on there if you need those for your phone. I didn't realize that was still a thing. but um, And they've also got a ton of – gear for all of the other sports so spring sports are going on right now baseball team just completed a sweep of clemson if you want baseball gear johnny t-shirts your place go to johnny t-shirt.com go by the store on franklin street in chapel hill however you want to procure your goods johnny t-shirts the place you need to procure them from uh locally owned alumni operated tar heel people through and through be sure to patronize them uh all four of the faces you're looking at right now are fans of johnny t-shirt we hope that you will be as well and as always, Inside Carolina premium subscribers get the extra 10 off the top of their phenomenal prices. JohnnyTshirt.com. Check them out. Uh, we appreciate their support and hope that you will support them. 
National Guy's going to pay some bills with their commercials. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, thanks for sticking around. You're listening to the Coast to Coast special edition of the Coast to Coast podcast called The Bracketing. It's because at times I fancy myself an amateur filmmaker, so I come with crazy names like that, and that's what we're going to call this podcast. Boys, uh, I sent you the, the notes ahead of the show for some things to consider because they just finished releasing the brackets just a little bit ago. I'm going to try to hit you guys with some, some stuff and, and just get your insight and, and where you think things are going to go. As we've seen, North Carolina draws an eight seed. First round opponent is Wisconsin. Let's do word association. Give me one word on your first impressions of the North Carolina draw. Sherelle? Tempo. Greg? Play Virginia. <laughs> Which is a synonym for tempo at this point. Sean? Yeah. Um, mine was slow, so... It- it goes with all the other ones. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme right now. Well done, gentlemen. This is like you guys almost rehearsed it. Um, my impression was Clemson, just mainly because I thought that Clemson got the draw that North Carolina should have got, but uh, whatever. Um, so after seeing that Wisconsin, you know, throwing some stats out, uh, Wisconsin is is something that we talked about previously on the show that, that has a lot of the things UNC did not want to see. They're a veteran squad. They don't turn the ball over. Uh, they shoot 36% from beyond the arc. So, Greg, I'm going to throw it to you. What's the best and worst case this coming week for the Tar Heels? You know, in some odd way, I think getting a, a tough opponent like Wisconsin um, in the first round is probably a good thing for this team. Because mm. I, I know fans and players don't do it near as much, obviously, but fans tend to overlook that opening round opponent especially even in the 8-9 game, which doesn't make sense, but it happens. Right. I think as soon as people say, oh, Carolina's in Baylor's bracket, that's going to be a heck of a second-round game. Well, now Wisconsin has your attention. Um, and the fact that it is an experienced group, I mean, they are battle-tested. The, the Big Ten, if you watch the Big Ten tournament this weekend, that is, fights, man. that is quality of basketball that we have not seen in the ACC this year. Um, and Wisconsin lost a lot of those games. And I know they, they didn't win many coming down the stretch. But, I mean, they're 10th in the uh, – 10th in Ken Palm, 26th in the net. I'm a little curious how they got a nine seed. Um, <laughs> but 5 and 10 against Q1 opponents. So, I mean, they've won some big games. They've played in a lot of big games. Uh, and so, I think that aspect of it is really going to get North Carolina's attention. I think Carolina has an advantage in the post, as they do pretty much every night they take the court. Um but, yeah, I mean, we knew with North Carolina likely being an eight seed, I mean, you, they were going to have to beat Florida State to get up to a seven line, I think. Yeah. Um, and so being in that, that eight seed line, you're going to have to win some big games every single time you go out. There's, there's no easing into the NCAA tournament when you're an eight or a nine. Um, and so they're going to have to play great every single night. Uh, we've talked about it before. There's not been a Roy Williams team that hasn't won four games in a row. This team is not yet, uh, so they're going to have to prove it. But I think starting with a quality opponent will maybe allow them to kind of grease the tracks a little bit. And, and if they win Friday, give them a little bit of a chance going into that second round matchup. That's an inter- interesting perspective. I had not considered that getting them to lock in early, pardon the pun, um, might be something that would help them. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts about Wisconsin, in, you know, other than it's just a gross matchup? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they're kind of going going both ways. So one, as you mentioned, this you know the 
the things as a Carolina fan you don't want to see. You, we saw the Clemson and, and UVA games for the most part. UNC has been playing games in really 71, 72 plus in terms of uh, possessions. And you look at Wisconsin and you're probably going to get 64, 65. Um, so right off the bat, you're going to be limiting possessions, which they haven't seen in, in a few weeks. Uh, as you mentioned, they don't turn the ball over at all. Um, they've got, they've got three point shooters and they've got some size, but on, on the flip side, going back to, you know, before the Iowa game, I kind of made a note about the big 10 and it's not true this year because they, they have been really good, but in general, as a Carolina, you know, fan, you don't really think they should lose the big 10 teams. And, and here's a team <laughs> talent wise that they're, 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 they have more talent than, um, and sure they don't have as much experience, but they do have more depth. Um, it's also a team that while they shoot the ball very well, a lot of it is from their guards um, and they don't, you know, they kind of have a more of a traditional team where they're four. Sure, he can stretch the four a little bit, but he's not going to be, um, I don't think, really killing UNC off the dribble. And, and now they're they're driving and kicking. So I think UNC, from a talent perspective, is, is more athletic, has some size. And I think, you know, if they're able to do well on the boards like they have been doing, you know, I, I think they should be able to come out with a win. But once again, it's going to be a slug fest. Um, if they can contain Wisconsin from three, um, you know, they're shooting 35, 36% on the year, but, but I think there's only been one or two games over the last 10 that they've really gotten hot. Uh, so once again, it, it's going to come down to three point defense and can UNC's guards uh, make some plays at the end. You know, I noticed that you mentioned that UNC fans probably think that, you know, UNC should never lose to a big 10 team. Listeners of this show will know that Sean Moran thinks that UNC should never lose to a Big Ten team. But as Greg said a few minutes ago, this is this is not uh, the Big Ten of five or six years ago. This year's uh, Big Ten tourney was some high caliber, some athleticism, some real grit and toughness from from what we have not come to expect from that conference. Sherell, your initial assessment of North Carolina v. Wisconsin, and, and what do you feel like you know the the best and worst case scenario for the coming weekend is? I agree with Greg. I, I, again, that was a great point about getting their attention <clears throat> uh, because it, it'd be very easy to just look at Baylor and be like, oh, we, you've got a chance to be the number one seed and go to the Sweet 16 and, you know, kind of all that talk. And I think, you know, Roy Williams can say, we've, we've played Wisconsin before. I coached a team that was much more talented that won a national championship that struggled with Wisconsin. And we've struggled with, with Wisconsin in the past. So I think he has that message built in that he can give them. Um, as far as the team is concerned, you know, they haven't been terrible in games under 70 possessions. Just looked it up. They're two and three in games with 70 or fewer possessions. Um, of course, UVA is one of those, which is a loss, we know. <laughs> um, but they beat Notre Dame. They beat Pittsburgh in, in games with fewer than 70 possessions. Um, and they, uh, they also lost to Texas by two. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, they've been horrendous in those matchups. They've fared decently well, I would say. Um, so I, I think they can play that style, but I think I'm, I'm very curious to see if Roy Williams did what he did, does what he did at the beginning of the year. They did a little more full court pressure uh, just to try to speed things up some. I think the UNLV game, they did that. The Stanford game, a couple of possessions. I think maybe even Texas, um, even you know with the great guards that they had, just to switch things up a little bit. So I'm hopeful they'll do some of that just to um, break the monotony of what could be those 32, 33, 34 second, or excuse me, I'm old school, 29, 30 second uh, possessions um, that Wisconsin has. So I think that's a key is that if North Carolina can speed them up a little bit, but it all goes back to Carolina, man. And I, I don't mean to sound repetitive, but if you play good defense at UNC, what happens? They miss a shot. You mm -hmm. grab the rebound. You can push tempo. And if you push tempo, that gives you more possessions. It gives you more chances to get offensive rebounds. Same thing with turnovers. So all this stuff just it works together in that if you don't turn the ball over and you play good defense with the size advantage that they have, I mean, I don't, I don't think they should lose the game. Um, you know, obviously they could, but I, I, to me, that's the big thing. Just every, like we said last time, every possession ends in a shot, and I think they have a great chance. You mentioned there, and I, I like this this angle a little bit, that Roy Williams may try to uh, hurry them up a little bit by doing some full-court token pressure. Uh, what are th That's something that UNC may do. What's something North Carolina has to do uh, to have any success this coming weekend, whether it's against Wisconsin or if they somehow 
uh, get a chance for a second game. Sherelle, what what's one thing they have to do this weekend? Oh, it's live ball turnovers. Like they can even some turnovers are acceptable because you want aggression. You want them trying to, you know, hit, have the hit ahead. You want them trying to make plays, but it's the live ball ones, the ones where you're just dribbling down the court and you can't handle it. And it goes to somebody else for a layup. The ones where, you know, you, you finally secure a stop and you uh, pass it out, you know, on the outlet to the point guard and someone intercepts it. The ones where you, you know, you're driving into the four people and put up a shot and it's blocked and they go to the other end for a layup. Those are the ones they have to control. And I think that really is all on the freshman guards. Like um, Dewey talks about it all the time. Like you're not freshmen anymore. You've played 28 games, 29 games. You're not freshmen anymore. And I think that Roy Williams will kind of tell his, his guys that, that he expects more from them. Um, you don't have to be all American and go out there and have a triple double or anything. Just take care of the ball and the rest will figure itself out. Greg, same question. What's one thing North Carolina has to do to have any modicum of success this weekend? I think a lot of it's up to Armando Baycott. Um, this team has these guards have, have an issue sometimes with, with making quality entry passes. And so it is imperative on the bigs to really be able to establish position uh, what we saw in, in Greensboro is a lot of the smaller teams really had some success early in trying to, to front UNC's bigs. Mm -hmm. UNC was kind of able to work around that. But when Baycott uh, does his job in terms of establishing position, it's tough. I mean, if you look at what he did against Florida State, they pushed him out, and he, had, he, he received the pass numerous times, 10 feet from the basket. That's not going to get it done. Uh, but when, when he's at his best, he, he's doing it on the block. He's big. He's, he's got his length. And that makes those entry passes so much easier. Um, and so I, I think uh, you know, Sherelle's of the opinion uh, that Corin Walton is, is the key to this team, no doubt about it. I think if they're able to have some success inside, that you know, alleviates some of that stress on the outside and they can get some shots falling, then everything works together. Uh, so there's a lot of different components. I mean, I, I was going to say turnovers before Sherelle did. So um, all these things kind of work together. But just having some success, knowing that you can go inside and have good looks, I, I think is the first step for this team because at least they can fall back on that. Uh, and that, that's something that when they do it well, uh, it really helps them you know, come back. And we saw it you know, against Florida State. That's what they did in the second half. Yeah, and even as improved as Armando Baycott's footwork has been this year, it's not improved enough for him to catch the ball 14, 15 feet away from the basket and still make a move without putting himself in some kind of peril. I mean, it's just, that's, that's basketball one-on-one and against a team like, like Wisconsin, it's going to be, it's going to be tough again. Sean, the one thing that the Tar Heels need to do to have success this weekend. Uh, well, I guess going last, I'll go three point shooting. Um, always talk of, you know, at the beginning of the season, always talk about six being the number of what, you know, for the most part they were, struggling to get up to. And, and now that's kind of has really been kind of an average point. Um, and I think we saw, you know, if Kerwin is hitting threes or RJ, how, you know, you hit two in a row, six, you know, six points of just how much that can open the game up. So once again, you're going against Wisconsin that can shoot the three well, and they're averaging about nine threes a game over their last 10. So if you can keep pace with them uh, while not forcing the issue, I think that will open things up for Armando and the guys inside as well as hopefully some driving lanes. But once again, the Wisconsin will be focused on Kerwin um, at least initially. So it's probably going to be hard for him to get open looks until a little bit later. Uh, so can some of the other guys step up and once again, RJ and Caleb have been shooting a lot better, but now can they do it where it's kind of life or death? Ceiling for the Tar Heels guys, Sean. Ceiling. I mean, stealing is beating is beating Baylor. I mean, that's a, it is a long shot, but you know, I, I think it is, it is possible. Um, once again, Baylor is a team that everybody shoots over 40% from, from three, but at the same time, they, they usually play two guys that are not three point shooters. Um, so kind of a matchup wise, I think you have an ideal matchup from a, a one seed. I'd rather have seen Illinois or Michigan, but I think from a ceiling, it's getting to the second weekend. Um, and then the floor, uh, is losing to Wisconsin. So, um, you know, you go, go either way, but I think if, if they do get past Wisconsin, I think they could at least be competitive, um, you know, with Baylor. Sherelle, same question. What's the ceiling for the squad? 
Yeah, I would say a competitive game against Baylor. Uh, you know, I I think they can beat anyone in the country outside of Gonzaga. Mm. Like Gonzaga's the only team I would say, you know what, they just there's not a way <laughs> really for them to beat them. Yeah. Um uh, Baylor and everyone else down, it could happen, but it would take, you know, it would take five different things and you know breaking UNC's way plus maybe some bad yeah some luck uh some players maybe having games that you wouldn't expect them to um so I I would say a competitive game against Baylor where they have a chance to win it you know say at the under four timeout I think that is that's close to ceiling for this particular team floor yeah is a bad performance again was against Wisconsin Uh, a performance where Wisconsin uh you know gets hot early and is able to hit you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, three, something like that, um, that would be the floor. And, and, you know, you don't want to see the season in uh, that particular way. So um, if they can make it to the second weekend, it, it would be a, a phenomenal story, but it, it doesn't seem likely. Yeah, uh, it's we're on the same plane. Uh, and we've talked all year on this on this podcast about how razor thin UNC's margin for error is. All right, Greg, I'll hit you with the same question. We'll get on to some overall tournament discussion. Uh, what's the ceiling for this group? And I, I'm surprised nobody said the roof. So thank you guys for doing that. But Greg, what do you think the ceiling for this team is? You feel like it's about m- just make making a game against Baylor? I do. Um, I think Sean and Shrell said everything needs to be said. Um, I mean, when you look at you look at Baylor, uh, I mean, they're third in the country in effective field goal percentage. They're number one in the country in three point field goal percentage, and they, they make 42 percent of their threes. And defensively, they force turnovers. Uh, 25% of the time. Mm. Um, that's not a good matchup. Oh, that's gross. For the Chargers. And, I mean, they've got you know, one of the best players in the country in, in Jared Butler. And I think that's just tough. Um, and then you even if you project out and say they somehow get by Baylor, I mean, you, you got Arkansas who's playing good. Uh, I think Ohio State is a legit – I mean, that was a team yeah. that was a fringe number one seed. Uh, so yeah, second weekend would be phenomenal, but, but I don't see them getting past Baylor. How, how lucky is you and see that they got Kentucky in December instead of Iowa State? Yeah, just think about that, just yeah. could have changed the trajectory of the season. That's for sure. That's that's a great point. Yeah, I mean that's that's another loss. And are they back on the bubble? You know, who knows? I don't know. All right, we're gonna slide our our, our wide angle back a little bit and take a larger view of the tournament. I have promised the people out there in, in the Twitter sphere that this will be a a no bracket guy show. Nobody on this panel, including myself, is going to try to be bracket guy, but we are going to talk about just some basic ana- uh, analysis. Guys, are, are any of you surprised by who's in and who's out? I mean, I think that Louisville being the first team out and then some of the teams that got in, Drake and some of those other ones, are a pretty big shock. Uh, Shrill, are you, any of those things jump out at you? Yeah, I, I, like everyone else, uh, Louisville surprised me. Um, I, I don't – maybe we were missing something, um, but it, it seemed like they had done enough to get in. It seemed like, um, you know, they played in a conference and may, I don't know, maybe it was the Carolina loss. Maybe it was the way they went out in the ACC tournament. But I, I just I just assumed, you know, they were in the tournament. So that was pretty surprising uh, when I looked at it. Um, Syracuse as an 11 seed. Um, I thought they would be I, – I, I thought they were closer to a 10 personally um not that i'm an expert on this by any means um but they they look like a good team you know the way they played against virginia the way they beat unc um so i I just thought they were a little bit better than that so that surprised me some but other than that i mean just you know just kind of flip a coin and i think all this stuff typically works itself out greg surprises yeah i mean i I kind of disagree with sherelle there a little bit i mean i I thought syracuse was going to be in the (laughs) the last four in group. Really? Um, yeah, I, I just, I thought they needed to, to close a little bit stronger than they did. And I guess the Carolina game probably got them in, but then you, Michigan state uh, and granted, I know is you're looking at an entire body of work, right? Uh, but last three weeks of the season, they beat Illinois, they beat Ohio state and they beat Michigan. <laughs> um, one of them handily. Yeah. Mm. So you got two wins over number one seeds and then you got a win over number two seed. Um, that's impressive. That's, that's, that's really impressive. And yet they're in the, the play-in game against UCLA. So I was a little surprised. I kind of thought maybe they would be switched a little bit. Uh, and then Clemson. Um, and, uh, the fact that Clemson was a seven seed was a little bit surprising to me when you compare them to, to some of the other uh, teams in the, in the seed line around uh, North Carolina. 
But those were those were the primaries. I, I did think Louisville was going to get in. They didn't. But beyond that, this is kind of where the placement was that was surprising to me. Clemson did shock me a little bit, uh, especially since they bowed out of the ACC tournament so quickly. Um, I was shocked by that. And Greg makes a great point about Michigan State. You almost wonder how much their being in the the Big Ten may have lifted them or gave them a little bit of a, a boost going in for the for the committee's thoughts. Sean, anybody jumped out at you as surprises one way or another? Nah, not, not a whole lot. I mean, I think the, the biggest surprise and probably wasn't really a surprise is more of a wish of where UNC was going to end up. And I, I think Greg hit on it earlier. If they had beat Florida State, maybe they do get that, do get that seven seed. But, you know, the ideal scenario would have been them as a seven in that uh, Houston, you know, Houston side. But really in terms of who was in, who was out, you know, no, no real issues. I think Louisville, you know, going back to when UNC beat them at the time, that was a huge, you know, UNC's biggest win and a huge win. And then all of a sudden, a few few weeks later, you know, Louisville, they did get the game at Duke, but for the most part, I mean, they just, it just didn't really pass the eye test. Um, so I, I wasn't too surprised that they're the first uh, quote unquote replacement team. Um, I think, you know, one surprise was going out in the, the quote unquote West bracket and you have Gonzaga and, and they're seeing, they could see, you know, they have Iowa, Kansas, uh, UVA, all teams that they've, they played out of conference um, that they beat, but, yeah. you know, you know, UVA, UVA, um, I, I was obviously shared my distaste for them, but, you know, they could easily lose in the first round, but they could, they could also get to the sweet 16 where, you know, they've already been punched in the mouth once by Gonzaga. Now, at least they know how to, how it's going to come at them a little bit more. Not that they have the offensive firepower to withstand it, but I think that could be an interesting matchup. Um, but overall, no huge surprises. I think everybody that was the first four in last four out, I mean, you should have done something more <laughs> to, to get in. So, you know, no, no real teams that I thought were very deserving of, of getting in that didn't. You know, something that didn't surprise me, and I'm sure Tar Heel fans will probably echo this, is that once again, Duke doesn't have to play anybody, you know, to get to the other side. Just cakewalk. No, just no tough opponents whatsoever for Duke this year, and it just blows my mind. Um, guys, who do you feel like has the best path to the Final Four? I'm not asking you to pick a Final Four, just one team that you feel like, wow, that, it shocks me. They've got a the proverbial easy walk, right? Every year we always talk about somebody – especially when North Carolina is good, right? Uh, folks are always have this discourse about well, who's got the cakewalk to the final four. Who do you guys think has the cakewalk this year, Rel? Um, I wouldn't say a cakewalk, but I like the position that Texas is in um, just because, uh, you know, the Michigan State UCLA winner could easily beat BYU. And I think that Texas would be a great matchup. Or I think Texas would like that a lot to be matched up with, with either of those three. So I, I think that – you kind of project forward to me. I think they're much better than all four of those teams, um, including Abilene and Christian. And that puts them in the Sweet 16. And I, I'm just not quite a believer in Alabama yet. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> they just, they're too reliant on um, the three-point shot for me at, at this point. And I'm sure I'll eat these words in a couple of weeks. Um, so I like Texas as a team better, the pieces, than, I, than what Alabama has. So, um, and then Michigan has uh, Isaiah Livers is hurt and who knows when, if he's coming back. Um, so to me, I like Texas more than anyone in, in that region. So not necessarily uh, an easy path, but I, I like the path that they have. You could see things breaking for them. By the way, shout out to the committee for making one of the play-in games, Michigan State and UCLA. If that doesn't scream, we want ratings for a random play-in game, I don't know what does. Uh, Greg, who do you feel like probably has an easier draw than maybe their seed would warrant? Or when you're just looking at this bracket on a sheet of paper, who, who do you like uh, and think could could – probably skirt their way to the final four pretty easily save for one team in the bracket i think the midwest is set up uh, surprisingly well for illinois and granted i'm i'm a huge io uh the sumu fan i mean the guy is as clutch as they come uh he's a fun player to watch you know they're good on both sides of the court top 10 i think ken palm both sides a cockburn inside is a legitimate seven footer i mean that team to me uh, is probably my, my favorite for the whole thing. However, I do think the committee screwed up in their seating. I don't think West Virginia should have been the three. I think Oklahoma State should have been the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got the switch. So that sweet 16 matchup potentially between Oklahoma State and Illinois, 
is going to be fascinating. Um, and I think that is the only only roadblock in that in that region for Illinois. Yeah, I said on the radio show with Tommy Ashley on WCHL uh, Inside Carolina Live on Saturday, which everybody listening to this podcast obviously listens to. I love Illinois when they're good. When Illinois is on uh, on offense, uh, Desumu, Coburn, um, they're actually really deep, but they're also a team that can score with anybody in America. Uh, so I, I think that's actually a pretty good call. Sean, is there anybody that jumps off the page to you uh, for having a, a, a good draw uh, on this particular bracket? Well, Illinois is going to have to hope they don't get in a tight one and Dusumu starts going one-on-one like he was against Ohio State with his step-back threes. He almost cost him that one. But, yeah, they do have a lot of talent. I would say uh, Baylor, I think, has, you know, obviously it could be a UNC matchup, but I think Baylor has the best potential best best bracket um, in terms of getting to the final four. Um, we, we talked about Clemson and, and kind of that ideal seven draw, not that I think they're going to do much with it, but if, you know, if UNC had been in that one, could have allowed everybody to dream a little bit more. Uh, Florida State, you know, I, I think they got a tough matchup with West Miller and UNC Greensboro. Um, would have loved to have seen uh, them as a 13 seed matchup with anybody else, but I do think Florida State uh, could potentially make a little bit of a run, especially with Livers hurt for Michigan. And, you know, Colorado's a, a interesting team. Um, I, you know, they can shoot the ball, but I think Florida State could – could make a run. And then I think, you know, and up in the West, I think can, it'll be, it's going to be interesting to see how Kansas performs. Um, obviously their, their big 12 tournament got cut short, but, you know, I think they could be a team that has a little bit of juice in the tank to, to make things interesting, especially with Iowa as a two seed who just hasn't, you know, hasn't, they've been really up and down a lot lately. So I don't really see Iowa going, going too far. So I think, you know, some of those, te- those teams, Kansas, Florida State, could be interesting um, if Florida State can get past UNCG. And I'm also going to kind of tailgate on Sherelle here a little bit. For the same things that he said about Texas, I feel like BYU is way overseeded at six, um, probably could get a couple of, couple of breaks their way. And I- I'll be honest, uh, Syracuse at 11, um, you know, San Diego State – is not the San Diego state of a couple of years ago. Uh, and we've seen what, you know, Syracuse's zone can do to teams in, a, in an NCAA tournament setting. All right, fellas, getting down to towards the end here. Um, I'm throwing this out only because of what we saw happen with Kansas, Duke, Virginia, and some other teams uh, over under on games that are going to be forfeited or, or uncontested, or do we think that there's going to be um, any sighting, sighting of Louisville and Indianapolis this week, Greg, you feel like we might see some COVID issues. Yeah, I think it could be like the ACC tournament where maybe you have a couple and everybody kind of spazzes out, thinks, oh, no, this whole thing's going to come to an end, and then that's it. Um, yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if maybe you know, two games were affected yeah. just randomly. But, but I think for the most part with them, the way they've got this set up, uh, they get everybody in, they can bubble them. They're not having to travel a whole lot. Uh, you know, that, the idea of having seven consecutive uh, days without you know positive tests, all those kind of things. I think they've structured it as well as they can. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's going to be much of an issue. And all right, Greg says two games at most. Shrell, you going over or under? Uh, I'll go under. I, I was going to ask: Are they already? Do we know if if the teams are already there in Indianapolis? Some are. Yeah, I know yeah. some went. Virginia's way, not going until Friday. Okay. I think they have to. Yeah, I think they're yeah. supposed to quarantine in Charlottesville. Gotcha. Yeah, a lot of the teams went straight there. Um, and gotcha, who, yeah. all the all the Big Ten teams are already there, right? Yeah, that's where the tournament was. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's that's ha- that's half the field anyway. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go under then, Joey. I'll all right, yeah. Sean, how you feeling? You think we're going to see some COVID issues up there, or do you think they're going to have it managed as best as possible? Uh, I'm going to go zero. Um, I, I, if there are issues, I think you know they'll be able to find the, the needed five players to play, or however many it is. So. You know, I'm sure there, there probably will be a few, but I'm, I'm going zero in terms of my my prediction. So you, right. you guys do not think Louisville is going to get into the tournament? Nope. I mean, well, uh, well, there could be issues like in this, the next few days, I think, where we'll see any fluidity. But once it once Friday comes around, I, I don't think there's going to be anything that throws a, a wrench into the mix. Well, and teams have until Tuesday night to declare themselves – uh, as either COVID free or, Hey, we've got some issues. So 
Uh, I think we'll definitely know by, Greg, I know you're always good about this, giving folks an idea of when we'll have an idea. So Tuesday, uh, Tuesday at midnight or 11 p.m. or whatever it is. Um, okay. Not going to, again, not going to be bracket guy, not asking you to pick your final four, but I would like to hear who you guys think is going to win this, mainly because um, I'm playing the odds. Uh, our good friend Tommy Ashley says give him either Baylor or Gonzaga, which isn't a bad bet. I threw it up as a poll on Twitter the other day, and about it went about you know 65 uh, 35 in favor of the field versus Gonzaga or Baylor. That aside, guys, tell me right now who you're picking as your national championship winner, Sean. Uh, well, you said odds, and and I, I had a moment of regret. Just, uh, <laughs> won't, won't be in Vegas this year, which is disappointing for the first round, but um, I'm going to play it safe and go with Gonzaga. Um, you know, I, I think, as we saw in the conference tournaments, how much, how, how you know, you weren't really seeing the one seeds win, uh, especially in the, the major ones, and I think that will allow for this tournament to be extremely crazy, but I'm just going to play it safe and boring and go with Gonzaga. All right, so Sean's going Sean's gonna to lay up rather than going right at the stick. And in that spirit, I'm going to translate uh, over to Greg, who is our you know, noted golf ace. Greg, you're going right at the pin, right? Who are you, who you picking for, uh, for national champion this year? Yeah, I think Sean's on point there because I think this tournament is going to be chaotic. I think there's going to be a lot of upsets. Wow, okay. But I think the top-level teams are not going to be affected. And as of probably two or three weeks ago, I was fully expecting a repeat of 2008 where you had all four number one seeds yeah. uh, not get to Indianapolis because you're already there, but to be in the final four. Uh, Michigan now, not exactly sure with injury issues and just the way they've been playing. Uh, but, I, but I've got Gonzaga beating Illinois in the championship game. Gonzaga from day one has impressed me. They've got three legitimate player of the year candidates. I just think they are too good offensively uh, to not win this thing. Very efficient and very old, as we've seen which does well in March. Um, but, hey, Juwan Howard will fight you if you say Michigan can't win it all. <laughs> Sherelle, I'm leaving it all to you, buddy. We gave you some extra time to kind of dig at things and see who you think is going to win the national championship. Are you going to jump on the Gonzaga train or are you picking somebody else? I, I've told Tommy I will take the field. He said Gonzaga – you can have Gonzaga – he can have Gonzaga and Baylor. And you and I are in that field. boat, yes. We're both yeah, taking yeah. the field. <clears throat> so, first off, nobody's going to pick Carolina on the Inside Carolina podcast. Is that correct? I, I am not picking North Carolina. That's okay. correct. I, I'm not to either. win a game or to win, <laughs> to win the national championship. <laughs> you never know. Stranger oh. things happen. Now I'm, I'm going Texas, man. I, I like Texas a lot. I've, I've said it all year. I just think um, the, the experience they have in the backcourt, um, the versatile players they have on the wing, the, the depth and the amount of big men that they have, the athleticism that they possess, a coach who's been there before, they have role players. I just feel like Texas is, has it all. And if there's anyone outside of those number one seeds, I would trust. I think I would trust Texas. Now, if they lose to Abilene Christian, I never said this, but I really <laughs> I, like, I like Texas a, a lot. Hey, not going to fault you. Again, they fit the mold, right? Old guards can play inside, can score, or can slow it down. I think there's there's a lot to like about Texas. And I, I'm going to throw a pick because I'm the host and I can do that here. Uh, I actually like Illinois, and Greg almost stole it, but I like Dasunmu. I love Coburn. I think that um, they've shown that they've got some depth. They've got some dudes on that team. And uh, they've played really well as of late. I think getting through that tough Big Ten tournament, they, they flexed a little bit. And, yeah. Just like anything else, if they get cold, they can get beaten. But I, I just think they're they're showing off at the right time. And I'd, I'd love to see uh, somebody not named Baylor or Gonzaga win it just because I'm with Sherelle and we've told Tommy that we're taking the field. So, um, guys, last chance. I always leave the door open for any parting shots that you want to throw out that we may have missed over the course of the show. Anything that our listeners have to hear uh, before we wrap this podcast. Greg, as our, our noted uh, new invite, what do you think? No, I think there's going to be a lot of questions about how North Carolina ended up with an eight seed and not a seven. Um, and when you kind of go down the, the seed list, uh, UConn was 26, Clemson 27, Florida 28, LSU 29, and Loyola, uh, Loyola, is that you Chicago, was, yeah, I can't say it, was, was 30. Carolina, of course, was 31 on that seed list. Um, LSU you know, had a great run this weekend, SEC tournament. They had five Q1 wins. Florida had five Q1 wins. Clemson, and I, I think you got an argument there. And then Loyola, uh, I don't think I pronounced that right that time either. Loyola, uh, we got you. 
two and two against Q1 teams. Ah. So even if you take away Clemson and uh, that team I can't pronounce, North Carolina <laughs> still – Sister whatever her name seed. is, that old lady, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I think they were seated where they needed to be seated. Uh, and it's just uh, it's one of those things, if you just pull out a couple more games, whether it be Marquette or maybe win that Syracuse game yep. or get a few breaks against Florida State, now you're talking you're in the seven seed line. And we're probably talking about a team that has a legitimate chance to get to the Sweet 16. But number ones are so good this year, it's just going to be very yeah. tough. Sherelle, anything else you feel like we may have glossed over that has to get on this episode? I would just say, you know, the season could be over in a week. And from a recruiting standpoint and roster management standpoint, you're already seeing the silly season start with transfers. Mm-hmm. Um, two transfers that North Carolina, two offers that North Carolina had last year, Cameron Fletcher at Kentucky and Earl Timberlake at Miami, have already announced their intentions to transfer. Um, so it's already started before the tournament has even begun. And, you know, for all the reasons we've talked about over the last few weeks, this is going to be the most insane spring uh, roster management season really ever. Um, so just, if the season is over a week from now, just something that we'll talk about and dive into uh, for a while. And who knows? We may actually even have some news, but we don't know because we don't know when the season's going to end. All right, Sean, last crack at it, man. What's your two pennies? I think it's going to be a lot like 2013. I'm not as confident as I was in UNC beating Villanova as they eat nine, but I think they should be able to pull it off against Wisconsin. And then I think they can be competitive against Baylor for a half before Baylor probably pulls away. Um, so you know, I, I think they have the talent, but if they can mix everything together with the, the guard, the freshman guard shooting well, Walton playing well, and then, you know, the bigs would love to see Sharp and, and Baycott get a lot of time together and go from there. But, um, you know, it's the season has gone by very, very quickly, and hopefully there'll be one more weekend to go. But I think, uh, you know, if they can win one game, that'll be a success. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I – for everybody listening or watching, make sure you enjoy these last however many games there are because we almost didn't have it this year and we didn't have it last year. Uh, and I appreciate you know the players being able to suck it up and have so many things be different for them uh, in order to get games on the TV and get games on the schedule. All the changes that these kids and the staff and the coaches had to go through to, to make this happen and are still doing to make the tournament happen. And I'm also thankful for you guys for being here tonight and making the sacrifices you've had to make to join this podcast and make it as awesome as it has been. As always, we appreciate everybody who listens, tunes in, views, whatever. If you're not an Inside Premium, Inside Carolina Premium subscriber, make that change. Get your life right. Get right with I C. Uh, for Sean Moran, for Sherelle McMillan, for Greg Barnes, I'm Joey Powell. Special shout out to John Sigley for producing and Johnny T-shirt for sponsoring. This has been the special edition of the Coast to Coast, The Bracketing. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.